0: All right, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of James. Uh, We're going to be in James chapter 1, verse 17. That is James chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, We are in week two of our three-week Advent series celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus. Uh, And this morning we are going to consider the generosity of our good God. Now, I had a dear sister in this congregation uh, tell me this past week that having an Advent series is doing her heart good this year, Uh, and that's because, uh, by her own confession, she is prone to taking her eyes off of Christ, being consumed with how hectic things can get with planning and gift buying and organizing and all the other things that come with a national holiday that has so much emphasis in our culture. Um, So my prayer is that this short series reminds us of what is important. And though it's, it's a Sunday school answer, but it's the truth. Jesus. Jesus is what is important. So may our eyes be ever fixed on him. And, and again, not, not just now. God forbid uh, that it would be just around Christmas that our eyes are fixed upon Christ, but always. Uh, you know, now that's, it's customary among Christians to give gifts during this time of year. And I know that it's, it's now customary for everyone to do that, but we started that. Just so you know, uh, that's what we do. We transform cultures wherever we take root. Uh, it's customary for Christians to give gifts during this time of year. And why is that? Right, The time of year that the birth of Christ is on our minds the most is the same time of year that we give gifts. Why is that? Now, um, among other reasons, we could give many reasons, it's partially to do with the fact that we are celebrating the great gift-giving God. We're celebrating that Jesus Christ has come, that he was given by the Father, by his grace, as a gift to sinners who will receive him. As the great Christmas text in Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We're celebrating that. Now, it's not a stretch to say that at Christmas we are celebrating the generosity of God towards sinners. And so I thought it was fitting to preach a sermon about our good Gift-giving God. The text before us reminds us that everything good that we have comes from God. And he gives us good gifts because he himself is unchangeably good. And since all that we have is from him, it comes to us as a gift. Again, it's given. It's gifts. We deserve nothing. Brothers and sisters, this text tells us that our God is kind and generous towards us. Now, I must say this about the context of this verse, right? Because I don't want to take anything out of context. I don't care what uh, good reason you may think you have. That is a sin to take Scripture out of context. James 1.17 says, um, or rather, it comes to us in a context where certain Christians were being tempted to accuse God of tempting them to sin. They were, some of them at least, were accusing God of tempting them. And James is dealing with that in the passage where we find verse 17. And in that verse, uh, James 1.17, James makes a statement about God's goodness that refutes the idea that God would ever tempt anyone to sin. And in making that statement in verse 17, James indirectly gives us a broad and universal declaration that all good gifts come from God. And I just wanted to acknowledge that context, but what I want to do this morning is focus on that truth broadly as broadly as I can, and and try to do that somewhat in light of our celebration of the birth of Christ. In this sermon, I simply want to remind us of what God has given to us. I want to set before us the goodness and generosity of God. I want to remind each one of you about the character of God. And I want to, by way of reminder, tell you what all God has given you, especially if you're a Christian, especially if you're a Christian. And if you're here and you're an unbeliever, we are glad that you're here. And in this sermon, I want to tell you what God offers you in Jesus Christ if you will only repent and believe upon him. But these things don't belong to you as of now until you come to Christ. But I hope to make you jealous for him, that you might see him as beautiful. So my prayer is that this sermon will stoke our affection for God increase our gratitude for all that he's done for us, and cause us to worship Christ as the great gift that he is. So in light of that, may God bless us as we turn to his word. Now, if you wouldn't or able, please stand with me for the reading of the word of God. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to gather and worship you, and for another opportunity to humble ourselves before your word. Your word is truth, it is precious to us. It reminds us of all that we are so prone to forget, it sees through us, it reveals us to ourselves. And it shows us your kindness toward us. Most of all, it shows us your kindness to give us your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we ask this morning that you would quiet our minds from all that would distract us from hearing your voice. Open our hearts to receive your word, see your goodness, be encouraged, and to value Christ as the gift that he is. Have mercy on us this morning and glorify yourself in us as you change us by your word and spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Did you know that you have, in the ultimate sense, earned literally nothing good that you possess? Did you know that about yourself? That the self-made man is a myth? It's a myth. Now, I'm not saying that you didn't work. I'm not saying that you didn't plan. I'm I'm not saying that you haven't been wise or that you didn't put forth any effort. That would be a lie. I'm not not saying any of that. I'm not trying to take away any of that. uh, I'm not trying to take away that from from you. No doubt you put in some effort or much effort to get what you have. But nevertheless, in the most ultimate sense, you've not earned anything that you have. That's what James is declaring to each of us in this passage. Everything is a gift from God. As James says, every good gift and every perfect gift. Literally, every good giving and every perfect gift. It's almost grammatically redundant in the Greek, it's being emphasized so strongly. If it is good, it is a gift from God. Everything good is a gift. I want to reason with you a bit. We, we know that good things don't just simply exist of necessity, don't we? Right? They must have a source. All things must have a source. Nothing just exists, God being the one exception, because there must be an unmoved mover in order for anything to exist. That's basic logic, basic philosophy. And James tells us that the source of all good, the, the source of every good and perfect gift is the Father of lights, the Father of lights. James is referring to God here. God is the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. This is a very Jewish way of talking about God. There are prayers that they would pray every morning, things that they would recite every morning as pious Jews, and they would refer to God as the Father of lights in these prayers. And James is very Jewish. He's a Christian, but he's Jewish. So again, God is the creator of all things, the Father of lights. So all that is good has been made, instituted, formed, Designed and given by God. All pleasure, all pleasure, everything that is delightful finds its origin in Him in one way or another. Now, I want to be clear about something. Man corrupts and abuses and sins often with these good gifts. But the goodness of anything, the delightfulness of anything, even the ability, For human beings to delight and profit or feel any good is from God. Hear hear me out. The drunkard abuses the good gift of wine. The fornicator abuses the good gift of intimacy. But the gifts themselves, considered in themselves, are still good gifts. They've just been abused by the wicked. Which, by the way, let us consider how wicked we must be to take a good gift and make it wicked. But the gift by itself, is still a good gift. So again, all that is good is from God. And the wickedness of men does not change the goodness of the gift itself. Again, if it is delightful, if it is pleasurable, if it is good, if it brings joy at all, it is from God. And this text establishes clearly that everything you have has been given. Given. This is reasonable, is it not? <clears throat> Where did the good thing come from? It didn't come from you. It didn't come from you. That much is clear. What you have, the good gift, the good thing, is not you. So it came from outside of you. Therefore, in some sense, all must acknowledge, it was given. Some, in some sense, it was given. And obviously, this thought is biblical. As Jonathan Edwards would say, tis reasonable and tis biblical.'" This thought is biblical because James speaks of good gifts, and gifts, by definition, must be given. The Apostle Paul tells us a similar thing in 1 Corinthians 4-7. He says, for who sees anything different in you? For what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now, Paul there is speaking of spiritual knowledge, but James tells us that this is true about literally everything. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that is not a gift? And again, James tells us that all we have has been given by God. This is very reasonable, right? God is sovereign. God foreordains all things. Whatsoever comes to pass. He rules over all things and providentially governs all that comes to pass in heaven and on earth. He does as he sees fit. He is God over all. Nothing happens apart from his divine sovereign will. And so, in light of that, nothing you have could be yours apart from his foreordination, will, consent, and giving. If God is God... And he is, then all that you have is been, has been given from him to you. You know, I have an unbelieving family member who, uh, when she talks about all that she has, if you talk to her long enough, eventually something along these lines will come out. I have all this stuff, I have all this money, and I worked and I saved. But listen to me, David, if God doesn't say that you're going to get something, you're not going to get it. The unbeliever can recognize these things. How much more should we? If there is a God and you have something, he gave it to you, whether directly or indirectly. If, again, as, as my family member says, unless God says you're going to get it, you ain't going to get it. Furthermore, whatever is given by God must be a gift. For who has ever obligated God to give anything? For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? as Paul says in Romans 11. Who can make the Almighty his debtor? Who can force God to give anything? No one. Period. No one. To go even further. How could a creature even begin to obligate the creator? (laughs) You're simply not strong enough. Like, even if you wanted to, you can't obligate him. You cannot impose on the sovereign God. So then, all that he gives must be, of necessity, a gift from him to us. And he has given us all that we have. Again, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. To go even further still, again, I just want to argue this See, I want you to see this very clearly. All things must be a gift from God because we've not earned anything must be a gift because we've not earned anything we have actually demerited all things because of sin we've demerited all things we deserve less than a gift we positively deserve punishment because we are sinners we deserve nothing good from god why because we have disregarded him we have impugned his character we have been ungrateful for his gifts and how do i know that because we have refused to love and worship and obey him as we should. Each one of us has rebelled against the Lord and went his or her own way. God certainly does not owe us anything. Actually, I take that back. He does owe us one thing divine justice, condemnation, eternal wrath. He does owe us hell. That is the only thing that you and I have actually earned from God. By our sin, we have positively earned his hatred and just judgment. That alone is what we have merited. And just real quick, have you ever thought about that for just a minute? You deserve for God to hate you. So do I. I'm not pointing the finger here. Everyone in this room deserves for God to hate them. Because we sin. In light of this, would any of us dare to be so bold as to say we've been good enough or righteous enough to demand a single thing from God? (laughs) Such a person would be either a lunatic, horribly self-deceived, or the greatest blasphemer that I have ever met. Truly, then, all is a gift from God. Brothers and sisters, if it is good, it is a gift from God. And a brief note here, consider the humility that this should create in you. Consider the gratitude and praise this should stir up in your heart. Everything you have has been given to you as a gift from God. We would do well to take these things to heart. For the one who receives this truth by faith, it is incredibly humbling and worship-inducing. Because you have to look at everything and say, thank you. And you know, this gift-giving reveals God's character. That's, that's James' point here, actually. It reveals God's character to us. It shows us what he is like. For God, to give good gifts, reveals that he is good. Here's James' reasoning, I think. A bad God would give bad gifts. And a good God gives good gifts. And since every good gift is from God, we must see that God himself is good. He is good. Consider what some of the Psalms say about the character of God. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not has some goodness, but is good. Or as we sang earlier, Psalm 145, verse 9, The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. He is good and he does good. And there are, I could take the rest of the th- time for the sermon and just keep quoting passages from the Bible that talks about how God is good and how he does good toward all. Now, what is God's goodness? Well, there's many ways that we can we could talk about this. Some people refer to his righteousness, his holiness and all that. I'm going to narrow it down a bit. God's goodness is his benevolent attitude and care of all that he has made. God's goodness is his kind, compassionate, tender, fatherly goodwill toward his creatures that manifests itself in his being kind toward them. That's his goodness. At least that's the aspect of his goodness that I want to drive home to you today. And for God to give good gifts to unworthy sinners tells us something else about him. It tells us that he is good and kind beyond all imagination. It's one thing to give good gifts to those who love you and perfectly obey you and esteem you as you deserve and count you as a friend and are good, but it's another thing altogether to give gifts to sinners. Anyone mailing a Christmas card to a terrorist in the Middle East? You get the point. It's another thing to give gifts to your enemies to sinners and it's another thing altogether for god the holy one to give good gifts to those who have rebelled against him on a daily basis that god would give good gifts to those who have not merited them but instead have positively earned his wrath staggers the mind who does that who gives to their enemies who gives to rebels Right? Who gives to someone, if someone came up to you in the middle of Walmart and spat in your face, would you give him a hundred dollars? Who does this? Only an infinitely good God who does good simply because he is good does this. And this is our God. And James tells us that our God is unchangeably good, He is immutable. He does not change at all, and that means that he does not change in his goodness. James says at the end of the verse, of the Father of lights, there is no variation or shadow due to change in him. This is actually really clever out of James, I think, right? The lights that God created, the sun, moon, and stars, they all shift and change and move every day, at least from our perspective looking at them. They shift and they change and they move as we perceive them. But not God. The lights change, but the Father of lights does not. He cannot be anything other than good. That's James' point. He can't be anything other than good. As the famous saying goes, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. It's simple, but it's true. That's what James is saying in this text. Our God's goodness, praise be to God, is not dependent upon the goodness of his creatures or any other thing. Or he would cease to be good. This is simply who he is. He's a good God. We are not simply good. We have to try to be good. It's not natural to us and we are often evil, but not him. He is Good And this is is displayed, his goodness is displayed to us each day as he continues to give good gifts to his creation. He never ceases to give gifts to all men, so long as we're on this earth. So long as we're on this earth. Brothers and sisters, can you see that our good God loves to give? He loves to give. It's simply what he does. It's what pleases him. This is a strange thought to me, and maybe it's because I'm such a miser sometimes. But, like, God delights to shower gifts on His good creation. Like, I'll give gifts, but, like, do I always delight in it? I can't say that. Again, pray for me, right? I'm not as generous as I probably should be. I'm working on it. But God actually enjoys this, to speak, if I could speak humanly. He enjoys giving good gifts. How do I know that? Because He does all that He pleases, and He does this. He delights in this because this is who he is. He is goodness itself. This is his nature. And think on this. How unlike us is our God? Again, I already made reference to this, but all things belong to him. They are his by right of creation. As the psalmist says in Psalm 50, verse 10, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord. What does that mean? The earth and its fullness. Everything in it belongs to him. All power and all things are his, and yet he does not keep it all for himself. He needs nothing. He is God. He owns all. But he is no stingy king, as we are so prone to seeing in this world. He's no Scrooge. He is no miser who wants to keep everything for himself and give to none. In fact, the only thing that he refuses to share is the glory due to his name. That is the only thing that he will not share. Everything else, shares it with everyone. Consider that. He gives. He gives and he gives for this is who he is. He owns it all and he doesn't hoard it for himself. He holds one thing back, and that is the worship and glory due to his name. And he gives everything else to his creation. What a God. What a God. Christian, be amazed at him. There is no other who is infinitely and immutably good. Search all the religions of the world. What will you find? Capricious, volatile temper, tricksters, mean-spirited change. They're just like human beings. But not Him, as Moses says, for their rock is not as our rock. Their God is not like ours. Now let's consider the good gifts of our good God. There are many kinds of gifts that God gives, but when we do theology, we we separate them into two basic categories, common grace and special grace. Or common grace and saving grace or salvific grace. And here I want to point out at this portion of the sermon, I want us to reflect on the common grace of God. His good gifts to all men. And we call it common grace because these gifts are common to everyone. Now, I want to be very clear. God may choose to give more to one or withhold some from others. And that's up to him. He's God. You're going to tell him what to do? I didn't think so. I can't tell him what to do either. He's going to do what he wants. He gives his gifts as he wills. But these gifts are given to all in this sense. Both God's people, the elect, and those who do not belong to God, the reprobate, all receive these gifts to some degree or another. And we see this doctrine affirmed by our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 5.45. We read there, For he, God, makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. What's he saying? God gives the sun and the rain. What's that? Harvesting, food, all the rest. God gives this to everyone, the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. That's common grace. God gives gifts to mankind in general. So let's consider now the good gifts of God toward all mankind. And please hear me. Please hear me. I, I know what some of you are going to be prone to do because it's what I would be prone to do if I was in the pew. Oh, he's going to do a count your blessings kind of thing and just like you're going to tune out. Don't. Please don't. I am going to tell you to count your blessings. Most of us have considered these things before, but we need reminded of them. What I'm about to mention to you, the things I'm going to mention to you are not cliches. It is the truth of the word of God. I want you to think about these things. And we, if we are to have gratitude toward God the way that we should, we need to think about these things daily. Daily. So here we go. Five big categories within common grace that I came up with. First, God gives natural gifts. The sun shines. Natural. What a gift. We'd die if it didn't. The sun shines, the rains fall, the seasons come and go, seed time and harvest come, all as a gift to man. The laws of nature, have you ever considered this? The laws of nature and physics and all that kind of stuff, they're constant. We don't wake up each day to a world of chaos, not knowing what to expect in the natural world. Could you imagine if every time you went to your waterfall you didn't know if water runs up or down today? I know know that sounds silly. Do you know why the laws of nature work the way they do? Because God made them. We never think about that, though, do we? The laws of nature are constant, and that is a great gift to us. We each have life. You're alive. You're breathing. Our hearts are beating. He has given us each day as a gift. To one degree or another, our bodies work. We have health. We have many more days of health than we have sickness for most of us. We can move. We can see and taste and smell and touch and hear. We can walk. We have our limbs. Do you think these things just happen? You have a mind. You can reason. You can think. You can learn. You've been made in the image of God and therefore are a rational being. You know each one of us have a certain set of abilities to do or think or plan or whatever. Right? God has given talents to each one of us. These are all a gift. They, again, these are naturally occurring things in the world and each one of us and they are gifts from God. Second, God gives material gifts. Th- these are so th- these are the ones we we think of whenever you think like count your blessings, right? Material gifts. These are easy for us to see. You woke up in shelter and not in 27-degree weather this morning, didn't you? You have clothes. No one in here is naked. You have clothes. Most of us have more clothing than we need, so much so that it would probably actually be a great blessing to someone else for us to raid our closets and give to the Salvation Army. Just throwing that out there. We have paydays regularly, most of us. Most of us have money in the bank, some more, some less, but it's there. Many of us drove here today. Almost every household has a car. If not, you have some form of transportation. We have food, more food than we need, as is evidenced by some of us more than others. We have food. All of us in this country have received, have received some kind of basic education. Right, and, and, and look, I've only begun to speak of like the basics of material gifts from God, and that's not to mention all the lesser things that could take us the whole rest of the day: phones, televisions, the internet, books, sweets, games, pictures, art. Right, this water bottle, like, like, even, like to the to the most minute thing. We could go on and on and on and on. We have our needs met, and for most of us in this country, most of our wants, some of us, all of our wants, and these things just didn't happen. They were given. They were given. A third, God gives us relationships as gifts. Oh, how we take this for granted. How we take this for granted. You have a family. It is not perfect. But you have people who care about you, I am sure. You have a father and a mother. You have grandparents. You have aunts and uncles and cousins. And we have children. Oh, don't ever forget Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord. What a blessing. We have children and grandchildren. What a blessing from God. Most of us have found a spouse and in doing so, as the proverb said, have obtained what? Favor from the Lord. You think you just found a spouse? No. God gave you a spouse. And we have friendships. Oh, even if your family is a mess, everyone has at least one friend. We have Friendships. What a blessing. Faithful companions to walk with us through life. These are gifts that, so that we might not be alone in this world. What a good God. The fourth thing, God gives us immaterial gifts. And I know that I've mentioned a couple of them. But two that, that stuck out to me as I was writing the sermon. Laughter. Each one of us has a sense of humor. Some of you need to work on it. You just laughed. You just laughed. You know God did not have to give us the ability to find humor in anything. You know what a drudgery life would be without any kind of comedy whatsoever. Have you ever considered that? Every time you laugh, every time you laugh, God gave you a gift to be able to think that things are funny. I'll give you another one. We love and are loved. We, we feel and are able to give affection to and from others. These things don't just happen. They are gifts. God did not have to create us with the ability to laugh and love and, and all the rest. These things are gifts. And fifth, God gives the gift of restraint on the wicked. ever consider this? I know we just went from love and laughter oh, to the restraint of the wicked. Yes. Yes. God does not allow us to be as bad as we would be. You know, Hitler wasn't even as bad as Hitler could have been. Yeah, that's a controversial statement, but it's true. Marx wasn't as bad as Marx could have been. God has, to one degree or another, given a conscience to all men. He has, to some degree, written his law on the hearts of men and a sense of eternity and judgment on the hearts of all men. So there is a general sense of morality in the world and what men might do otherwise is restrained by God. I just want to put this to you. If God turned us completely loose in our sin, this world would be quite close to hell on earth. But he restrains us with many different means. What a gift. We've not even begun to scratch the surface, but you see what I'm getting at, I think. I hope I've, I've brought some things to your attention. Everything we have is a gift. And God gives this common grace to one degree or another to all men. And to top it all off, all men are sinners. And in spite of that, God still get. I would not let a sinner laugh if I was God. I wouldn't oh, you rebel against me all the day long. You give me thanks for nothing. You are not allowed to laugh at anything. Joy is gone. No, but he doesn't do that. How good must he be? How good must he be? Truly, brothers and sisters, God is good. Do we realize this on a daily basis? I I am sure that we don't. I know we all, to some degree, take God for granted. My mother talks to me about this all the time. It is usually only when God withholds a gift or takes one away that we then become aware that it was He who had given it in the first place. Think of all of your meals. Should He take six away from you in a row, you'd be very grateful for the one that He finally gave you. Think of all the times that you've gotten in the car and not been in a car accident. I promise you, get into a car wreck and you will become very thankful every time that you get in the car and are not in a wreck. Every morning that you wake up to a living spouse and living children, I promise you, if or when the day comes that you wake up to a dead spouse or a dead child, you will be very grateful for all the other days that you did not wake up to that. All the days of health. You realize, oh, I've went years without being truly sick once he finally hospitalizes you. And yet we often don't even consider to thank God because we have simply come to expect these gifts. How ungrateful. We're like spoiled children on Christmas morning who take the gifts but give no thanks to the giver. Brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. We ought to live very aware, moment to moment, that all we have in this life is a gift from our Heavenly Father. Let the heathen and the unbeliever live in unthankfulness, but may it never be said of those who know the Lord. You who fear the Lord, praise the Lord for his earthly gifts that he has given to you. Praise him. And yet, for all of God's goodness and giving, man still sins. Are you not frustrated with yourself at all? Because I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about us. They're included, but I'm talking about us. For all this, man still sins. And as Paul tells us in Romans 1, worships the creation instead of the creator. Or to use James language, worships the gifts instead of the giver. We take all that he gives and still we sin. We live apart from him in so many ways. We take from his hand and we do not give him his due of worship, faith, love, and obedience. Brothers and sisters, this is wickedness. And this is what all men have done and do. And this is why our good God judges sinners. I'm stealing this from Paul Washer. He's a better preacher than me. God is good. And that is the most terrifying sentence that you have heard in this entire sermon. Because you are not good. If God is good and he is, he also must be just. And if he is good and just, he must judge the wicked and punish them. God's goodness is amazing because he is so kind to the unworthy sinner. And at the same time, it is terrifying because we are sinners. If he is good, he must judge. And check this, what did James tell us? His goodness is immutable. It is uncompromising. What does that mean? He is an immutable, uncompromising judge of the wicked. He cannot be other than that. The phrase, God is good, should strike terror into the heart of every sinner when we think of how not good that we are. Unbeliever, please let the goodness of God lead you to repentance. This is why he has been good to you. See that his goodness and kindness is meant to lead you to see how ungrateful and wicked that you have been towards him so that you might look to him for mercy and salvation in Christ. But until you come to Christ, the Apostle Paul tells us, you're just storing up wrath against wrath for the day of wrath. As we take advantage of the kindness of God and never turn from our sin and turn towards Christ, what is he doing? Every day, as it were, there's another tick mark. There's another day of my goodness that he spat upon. And each day that we live and breathe apart from Christ, we are accumulating more and more wrath for the day of wrath. Unbeliever, don't do this. Come to Christ in repentance Trusting God's good promise that he will forgive you for Christ's sake. And Christian, let his goodness have its effect on you as well. Let it lead you to worship and gratitude. But, though we are so wicked, as I said already, that does not change God's goodness and kindness. And so he continues to give good gifts of free grace. And that leads us now, to the greatest gift of God, a gift of special grace, a gift of saving grace. Now we come to consider what I have been waiting to get to all morning, the most perfect gift with a capital G, the most truly perfect gift that overshadows all others, the Lord Jesus Christ. All hearing his name is a gift. His name sounds in our ears and speaks to our hearts and says, salvation, salvation. Atonement, peace, joy, righteousness, forgiveness, eternal life. He is the gift that makes all others look small. He is the truly good gift and perfect gift. I'm going to beat this drum for the next 15 minutes. Jesus Christ is the gift. The gift. You may ask, was he given? Yes. Oh, yes. He was given for us, given to us, and given in our place. He himself is the gift of God. Consider what the word says to us about God's giving Christ. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The child born in a manger in Bethlehem, the son of God was given to us. The Savior was given by the Father of lights. Or the famous John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved. He is so good that He gave His Son as a gift. He gave His Son to save us. Speaking of Christ, Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered up or given up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. God gave His Son up to a cross for our trespasses to make atonement for us that we might be saved. Consider Luke 22.19. What does our Lord Jesus say? This is my body which is given for you by the appointment of God. Jesus' body was given. He was given over to judgment and death in our place to save us from our sins. Romans 8.32 tells us that God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Christ was given for us. Now, Christian, can you see? Jesus is the gift. He is the gift of all gifts. Consider what He's done for you. He took on flesh. God became a man. Stop. <laughs> that God would, would, would lower himself to take a human nature to himself. That, By the way, he's so holy, he lowered himself by addition. He subtracted, so to speak, by addition. Yeah, that's how much lower we are than him. That when he takes a human nature to himself, he lowers himself. And he does it anyway. He became one of us. Why? So that he could represent us as a man before God. So that he could obey, suffer, die, and be raised on our behalf. What else did he do? He perfectly obeyed God and kept covenant with him. Rendering obedience to God in your place. What else did he do? He went to a cross offering himself as the wrath satisfying sacrifice for sin and made a full atonement as a substitute in his suffering and death on your behalf. What else did he do? He was raised from the dead on the third day. Why? To conquer sin, Satan, and death on your behalf in order to free us from the dominion and power of all three. Christ is the gift. He is the greatest gift. He is priceless. There is only one of Him. There is is no other Son of God. There is no other Savior. There is no other substitute. There is only the one Christ. And this most precious, costly, matchless gift has been given to us by our good God. All of God's temporal gifts, all of His common grace gifts are counted as nothing compared to the gift that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. All else pales in comparison to the Christ. He is the gift. But here's the kicker. Are you ready? Are you ready? We, in ourselves, in our natural state, are not willing to receive this gift. You know how sinful you are? Left to your own devices, you are not willing to receive the gift that is Christ. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses and want nothing to do with God. We naturally spit upon His kindness and grace and generosity toward us. As the Apostle says in Romans 8, 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Not, no, no thanks. No, I hate you. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. We don't want to and we can't. We don't want the Christ. We want nothing to do with this gift. But check this. That is not a problem for our good God. God is so good and so generous that he has enabled us to receive Christ. For those who believe... He's given you regenerating grace. By the way, this is actually the specific gift that James goes on to talk to in the next verse. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He gave birth to you. This is the new birth. God gave us the gift of the new birth so that we might receive the great gift of Christ. He gave us a gift so we could get the other gift. He granted us a spiritual life and faith and a new nature that wants to and is able to lay hold of Christ by faith and receive Him. What a gift! God makes us able and willing to believe on Christ and receive Him. We're still not done. We're still not done. So He gave us the gift of regeneration so that we could receive the gift of Christ. And upon receiving Christ coming to Him in faith, God continues to give us gifts. There are gifts in Christ. Did you know that? There are gifts that we get in Him and Him alone. And so, brothers and sisters, because we have Him, we have everything. Let me give you a list. In Him, we have the forgiveness of sins. In Him, we have perfect righteousness credited to our account. In Him, we have justification, a legal declaration that we are righteous in God's sight because of Christ. In him, we have peace with God and are no longer enemies. In him, we receive adoption into God's family and are no longer counted as rebels, but as sons. In him, we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit to comfort, lead, and guide us. In him, we have sanctification, that we would grow and be more and more freed from sin in this life. In him, we have the preservation of our souls. For God will not allow the one who has been united to his beloved son to perish. In him, we have help and mercy and grace to withstand the sorrows and trials of life. In him, we have comfort and encouragement and the pity of God as beloved children. In him, we have the assurance of salvation, the sure knowledge that we are saved by him. In him, we have future glorification, where we will be set free from the very presence of sin. In Him, we have a future resurrection of our bodies to look forward to. In Him, we have eternal life with God and joy and splendor forevermore. In Him, in Christ, we have everything. Stand amazed, Christian. Stand amazed. Truly, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God in heaven. And we are unworthy, but grateful recipients. We are unworthy, but grateful recipients. Oh, Christian, honor Christ in your hearts as the great gift. We deserve nothing. We paid nothing. We did nothing. And yet we have him. He was given for us and to us by grace. This is what we're celebrating at Christmas. God has given us Christ. God, or the Christ has come to give us himself, and in him we get everything. The unchangeably good God has been so good and only ever good to us. In Christ, we have not only more than we deserve, but more than we would have ever thought to ask for. I'm not done. You'll be all right. This is going to go a little bit longer. Consider this. In our sinful state... For us to have ever come to God. I want you to think about this for a minute. This is is, is a hypothetical. I I don't believe that this was possible, but just bear with me. In our sinful state, for us to have ever come to God and asked for him to give us his beloved son. For us to ask for such a gift would have been the height of arrogance and presumption. Now, mind you, we would not have thought to ask because we were at enmity with God. But if somehow humanity would have thought to ask God to do this for us in Christ, we would have been out of bounds to ask because we are so wicked and deserving of damnation. But God thought of it. God desired to do this for us. What would have been ridiculous for us to ask? God says, no, I'm so good that I'm going to do it. And you would have never asked. This is our good God. At Christmas, as we, are cons- as we consider that a son has been given to and for us, we are compelled to confess, God has been good to me. God has been kind to me. God has given me more than I could have ever wanted. He has given me Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the goodness and generosity of our God to give us a Savior. Let me illustrate a point. God gives us everything we have in this world, and then he gives us Christ. I was talking to our brother Jason about this last week. A a sentence has stuck with me for a couple of years now, or I think it's been that long. All this and heaven too. That stuck with me. A woman I went to high school with uh, once posted a photo online of herself and her husband and their son. And I do believe that they had a hard time getting a son, getting a child. And she captioned the photo, all this and heaven too. And that has stuck with me. What was she doing? God has given me a family. God has given me many earthly blessings. And on top of it, he has saved my soul. Brothers and sisters, we have many good things in this world to praise God and be thankful for. And this is especially brought to our attention during the holidays. Or at least it should be. But then, we also come face to face with the fact that God has given us Jesus Christ. And it is so much that we can hardly stand it. It's almost too much grace. Almost. This is mind-boggling. If we really think about this, we can't sit still, but want to come out of our seats shouting for joy. We, we, when we consider this, we have to look around at our lives and say, I can hardly believe that he has given me all of this and heaven. And that's just another way of saying he's given me all that I have and Christ. And it is Christ who overshadows all the rest and makes the other gifts truly sweet. For without him, all the earthly gifts we could ever have fade away in the end. So, brothers and sisters, praise God for his goodness. Praise him for all that he's given to you. And this Christmas, praise him for the gift of Christ. And don't let it stop there. Praise him always for Christ. Why? He is always yours. Worldly gifts come and go. They can be given and taken away. Ask our brother Job. But Christ is the gift that will not fade away. He is the gift that will never wear out. He is the gift that will never perish. He is the gift, praise God, that once received is yours forever. So praise God for Christ and rejoice that he has enabled you to receive him. But as we come to the end of this sermon, I want to speak to those of you who might be hurting. I want to to try to be... Um, I always try to be pastoral, but especially to you who might be hurting right now. Maybe the holidays are very hard for you. Maybe they're very hard. And you don't really look forward to Christmas. There's family fighting, sickness, loved ones who are gone, an empty seat at the table. Maybe there are children or grandchildren that you thought would be present but have departed from this world. There's financial stress that gets pointed out and not being able to afford the gifts that you wanted to give. Many other things. I want you to remember something. Our celebration of Christmas is not about any of those things. Family is a good gift. Children are a good gift. Friends are a good gift. Gifts are good gifts. But we are celebrating God's ultimate gift, Jesus Christ. We are celebrating the gift. Oh, fix your eyes upon him. Fix your eyes on him. Remember this, God is good. He has given you many good things in this world. And more importantly, he has given you all things in Christ. As the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So may God grant each one of us to rejoice in Jesus Christ, the great gift of God. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word in that it is your appointed means by which we have received Christ. It's in your word that we see Christ. Christ. It's in your word that we hear of what he's done for us. It's in your word that we see all the blessings that we have in him. It's in your word that we were told of the gospel that, we have, that you enabled us to believe so that we could receive him. That's why we love your word, because we love your son. Thank you for your son. I pray, God, that you would open all of our hearts to receive Christ and rejoice in him always. Have mercy on us. And again, we praise you and we thank you for all that we have in him. For in him we have all things. Amen.